on this episode of Up for Debate. We're talking the best half-hour comedies post-2000, and if that sounds complicated, it's because it is. We're going to start with The Office, but we're going to move on to all the funniest shows and give our thoughts and opinion on what worked, what didn't work, and why they were so funny. I hope you have fun and enjoy, because we're going to talk about it coming up next on Up for Debate. This is Up for Debate, episode number 60, recorded September 8th, 2016. Laughs in 30 minutes or less. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Up for Debate, the show that's never filmed in front of a live studio audience. I'm joined by, uh, well, I'm Sean Jennings, and I'm joined by Matt, Matt Mariani, Mr. Matt. Insert laugh track here. Insert ha, laugh ha, track ha. here. Ha, ha, ha. Applause. If we if we were doing our opening credits, it would be starring Sean Jennings, and he did it, you know, and then it would be and Matt Mariani as himself. <laughs> That's how That's you right. always tell who uh, the important people were, because they would always be the first credit and the last credit. If you were in the middle, you weren't yeah. as important. Yep. Yeah. Uh, kind of like any of those shows where they feature, they really feature like a whole bunch of people, but there was one person who was clearly the star, and usually the show was named after that person. For some reason, the only one I can remember right now, and it's a terrible, terrible example, is Reba. Oh, Reba. Yeah, there was a giant trend of those for a while. Of course, you had Roseanne, which is a famous example because they everyone hated her and wanted to fire her, but her name is the show, so you can't really do anything about it at that <laughs> point. There was... Nope. um, Oh, Valerie. You probably don't nope. know the story of Valerie. It was um, no. Valerie... Uh, what was her last name? Shit, I'm going to have to Google this. But um, there was a show. Um, oh, Valerie Harper was her name. And she was a comedian, and so they gave her a show and named it after her, Valerie. Except that she was terrible as, like, a person. And they got into a big fight at the network. And most of the time, right, the show network would have just canceled the show after, I think it ran two seasons as as Valerie. But instead... <laughs> They fired her. They killed her character in a house fire. And all her kids survived, went to live with her sister, and they changed the name of the show to The Hogan Family. And it ran for another, <laughs> like, four seasons. I'm not making that up. Started young Jason Bateman. Wow. Wow. You really can't make that up, huh? No, it's, it's kind of insane. <laughs> and they, they literally had an episode where she died. And the kids had to, like... You know, they had the burnt house and the whole thing. I mean, it was. Were they, were they going? They were going obviously for the, um, for like the, the, the scary route. Well, the I, scary route, the controversial route. I definitely think they were going the route of we want to make sure she can never come back. Like we have to yeah, kill her. The the definitely permanent route. Yeah, they were done. With and it's that. interesting the way that certain shows have to deal with that aspect. Uh, like when a, when a main character dies in real life. I remember um, John, the, the uh, famous actor John Ritter. Yes. Of uh, Three's Company. He was in the middle of filming a, uh, a series. Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter was the show. That's right. And interestingly enough, they brought mm -hmm. in uh, they brought in David Spade to um, to semi replace him um, at the time. And actually, believe it or not, I actually the show was okay. It was average, um, but I actually thought they did a really good job of handling it. Uh, post John Ritter, I watched some of that, and it really was. I mean, it, again, it was continued to be average, but it certainly didn't crash and burn. But that was a unique example where he died like in the middle of filming, um, which I yeah. I can't think of another real example. Work around that. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough one. But uh, but Matt, I actually had a question for you, unrelated to half-hour sitcoms post two thousand. Um, that I was thinking about before the show, and I and I came up with an answer, but I want to know your answer to this question. Name okay, Bell. Name the most successful athlete who became an entertainer. Most successful athlete who then went on to become a successful entertainer? Yes. yes. The best example of somebody who was successful in sport and became a success in entertainment. Because I was watching, you know, football kicks off tonight. I was watching uh, Hard Knocks, yeah. which is the documentary they do on football. And it's talking about these guys being stars and celebrities and being on TV. And I'm like, what is the best example in history we can think of? 
Can you give me a, the sport? Well, it could be any sport. So uh, here, here's uh, I'll start. Okay, you. this is open ended. I, I thought you were trying to get me. To no, no. I mean, again, I have I have a name in mind, now. but I want to know what you think. Okay. Now I struggled because um, like, is Arnold Schwarzenegger an example? Well, he was a bodybuilder, right? Not really an athlete. I wouldn't say athlete. Now, no. what about The Rock? He was a professional wrestler, but that's not really an athlete. Also, not an athlete. Okay. That's that. That itself is probably entertainment. So let's let's maybe limit it then to the four major sports in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Limited to the four made yeah to basketball, hockey, football, and baseball. Um. I mean, I'm thinking Bernie Williams had a pretty good music career. Did he? As well, I mean, good as far as athletes go. He, he yeah, he, he had a couple of uh, albums on. He had a, he played acoustic guitar, classical guitar. He had a couple of classical guitar and I think like religious music albums. So, uh, he, I mean, he didn't do well by any means, but for an athlete, I think he was he was no, notable, mm-hmm. an honorable mention. Um, we, I don't think we can pick the Chicago bears shuffling crew from the Super Bowl. Show. That's, a, that's, that's a classic. That's too good is what that is. That's too much of a hit. Mm-hmm. That's, oh, this is a tricky one. So here's the name. I, maybe I would say, no, go ahead. Yeah. Who are you thinking? Well, and, and we, Shaquille O'Neal was in Shazam, but I also don't think we should pick that. The name. All right, are, are we going to say Michael Jordan in actually, Space Jam? Actually, I didn't Jam? think of Michael Jordan. That's not terrible. No, no, no. So here's the name I came up with: O.J. Simpson. Now you got to remember, uh, Towering okay. Inferno, Naked Gun. He was shooting a TV series when he murdered those people. He was in talks to yep. be um, in the Matrix at one point. Um. Yes. Yeah. That's right. To play Neo. To play, supposed to play Morpheus. Uh, Morpheus. Right. And Morpheus. So, yep. honestly, I could not think of an athlete who had, even if you say career prospect. I mean, he was he was a successful actor at the time. He went to prison, um, and I just think that was such a funny. I don't know why I thought of that, but I could. I was just wondering if you could think of a better example than. Than that, outside uh, of professional wrestling, you, but you I know, think I, I think that's a pretty that's a pretty good one. He he was in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay. He was in a couple of movies, including including Airplane. Yeah, which he was fantastic. Um, God, that's a great movie. <laughs> yes. As as far as athletes go, I think he was he was like he was a great because you never know, you know, when you put an athlete in a movie. You never know if they're going to be like awkward behind the camera or if it's going to like just flow because like, they're not trained actors in any way. Like Shaquille O'Neal. I know one of the, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great, that's a fantastic example. Um, or even, I mean, Michael Jordan in, in Space Jam wasn't, well, but, see, but see, he had a, I mean, he had a difficult, he had a difficult role in that he's, he's playing with Luke. Looney Tune characters that aren't actually it was there. It's all green screen. So I would, I would, all green screen. I would pay like legitimate Except, good money for the Blu-ray version that is just him talking to the green screen. Because that would be awesome. Do you think that? Would you be able to find that somewhere? Oh, I'm sure. sure you would. Oh sure, they keep the YouTube raw footage. Oh. Yeah, it's it's got to be. I just don't know if they've ever released it, but I'm sure it exists, and that yeah. would be hilarious. Bill Murray talking to a green screen. Bill Murray. God, that's right. I forgot. And he plays Bill nope. Murray. He played uh, himself. He played himself. He uh, was like, he came in for and he no only reason. comes in for like the last scene or something, right? He comes in. He's like, oh, so yeah, I'm Bill Murray. And I just want to play basketball with these Looney Tunes. The, 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 the oddest random Bill Murray cameo uh, outside of Zombieland, I think. I'm trying to think of another good one where Bill Murray just shows up in a movie being Bill Murray for no reason. I mean, that's pretty much the entire plot of Lost in Translation. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's, that's fair. He basically is Bill Murray in that. You're you're not wrong. Um, yeah. I mean, name a movie where he isn't Bill Murray. I think the least Bill Murray role that he's played, I never saw St. Vincent, but I've heard that's that's yeah. kind of far from Bill Murray. But even, uh, even Caddyshack Bill Murray is kind of 
Yeah. I mean, he's playing a character more so than himself. But in Osmosis else, Jones, maybe Os- he's like Osmosis Jones. Come on, <laughs> where are you getting this stuff? That we need at some point we do need to do a, a kids movies of the nineties and talk about Space Jam and Osmosis Jones. Yeah. And yeah. There were a lot of shit movies. Also, The Iron Giant, which is <laughs> those great. Were, those so were classics. We could uh, definitely go on about those, but um, we've got to get on to the topic at hand. Yes. Now, before we do, I want to mention a few quick things. One, if you're awesome, you're watching us live on Facebook. We do the show Thursday nights at 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash TV. Go like the page, and we'll show up in your news feed when we go live, uh, and you can check it out. And if you're watching live, thank you, you can... Talk to us during the show. Hit us up on Facebook. Comment on the post with the video. And hopefully, I don't. for some reason, I don't always see them. So if I don't, I apologize. If you know me personally, Facebook message me to make sure I see it. Um, but we'll talk about it on the show if you've got thoughts or comments or questions you want us to answer. Uh, two, I apologize. Matt's connection is a little shaky tonight. So if it sounds like we're talking over each other or there's a bit of a lag, we're going to make it work. I'm not worried. Okay, let's jump into the topic at hand, Matt. I wanted to talk about... Uh, comedies post-2000, uh, specifically because there are just so many I love. And I recently did a full watch-through of 30 Rock, and I'm starting a full watch-through of Parks and Rec. And The Office, I haven't been able to bring myself to watch for certain reasons. And I wanted, I know you're a fan of some of these shows and, and other comedies, which we will see how far we get into the hour to talk about. But uh, I wanted to start by discussing The Office, which I actually think is 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 a controversial in terms of um, critiquing uh, is a controversial show because I feel some people love it. Some people don't. Some people thought it ended poorly. Some people thought it ended well. Overall, I think it's got a mixed legacy as a show. I think people look at a show like 30 rock and for the most part, you can say most people like it. I don't think the office has that good of a reputation. For everybody. Now, I know there's some people who love it. I'm not going to say that's not true. But I think it's got a little more controversy. Yeah, I, I, I think I could, I could definitely see that. Um, I think when you're talking about The Office, you really have, you really have almost like a timeline. You have the, um, you have the Michael, Michael Scott, and then you have the post Michael Scott eras. Of the office, so I would say the Michael Scott era of the office was to me one of the great golden ages of television. Um, I thought the seasons uh, two and three in particular, and one is definitely up there. Four was okay, but I thought I thought that was those were some of the finest moments of television. Uh, that I've seen since since Seinfeld, at least. Um, but I mean, feel free to disagree. I I and I will. I will disagree. I thought those were spectacular. I thought those were were just great. I thought they were, were uh, groundbreaking in a lot of different okay. ways. All right, all right. That, uh, That's it. That's <laughs> it. Look, 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 look. You're entitled to your opinion. The Office had very funny moments. I'm not going to disagree. Some of the funniest bits on a lot of shows of that time. Absolutely. I am not going to disagree with that. Groundbreaking. Yes. I, mean, I will stand by my statement there are so on why it is groundbreaking. There are so few examples of that, though. I really, I really, I just, well, hmm. Are you saying there are a few examples of it being groundbreaking? Yes, I really don't. Let's look. Well, it was a funny show, but it was not Seinfeld. But look at the, look at the, look at the format. Look at the format that The Office used. The the documentary style format, which they okay? drove that, into the ground. That in, directly influenced Parks and Recreation, another great show. Uh, it influenced. Hang on, time it, out. In a lot of ways, um, Arrested Development did it first. A current. Yeah, but Arrested Development was a lot more, and you're gonna you're gonna definitely disagree. I'm gonna say it's a lot. It hit a lot more of a niche audience than The Office. The it Office did it was definitely. 
definitely reached a lot more people. And actually, The, the office, office in Britain did it first. Yeah, but uh, again, The Office in U.S. reached a lot more people um, than any of those shows. And it lasted longer, the longevity. And it, it lasted shouldn't have. But that's my point. So, <laughs> all right, hang on. All right. Look, I'll give you the format. And I agree. For the first few seasons, they did a good job with the format. I think in the later seasons, which I know you didn't watch, they really let it go. And I think one of the, the absolute – One of many worst decisions they made on this show was that they made the um, – was that they made the documentary part of the narrative – so in the last two seasons, they actually introduce the sound guy and the camera guy, and they talk about what it's like to be on camera, and the finale is about the show finally airing. What a bad idea. Holy shit. What? Watch, what do you it, mean? The point is that it's not, it's, the, it's not funny because it's a documentary. That's not, that's not the point. It is a format to tell a story. It's about the characters in the story, not the fact that they're on a documentary. You're blowing no, out the, the fourth wall. It, yeah, blow, I mean, blowing out the fourth wall was—I think it was a bold move. And it failed. I don't. I don't think it failed. No, look, I don't think it failed by any means. How else would you have ended that show? But look at Parks and Rec. The whole thing was documentary style, but they never actually yeah. say it's a documentary. They never. They never self-referenced that. that but part that's of the. It. But that's what's great because the reason you do a documentary format is because you get that you know, the 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 direct to camera character exposition. That kind of helps you tell the story when they do the one-on-one -on -one interviews. It's a good format to tell a story, but that's not the point. Like, it's just a way to, 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 to tell a narration. That's it. it. You shouldn't... The sound guy should not be interacting with the characters you've watched for seven seasons. Like, that's weird. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really think that was such a bad idea. I, I don't think... I think you're making it out to be this this catastrophic... No, it was one of many problems. Thing that that just didn't i don't i mean i think the finale worked in many in many different ways i think it was a very satisfying well, finale dwight's wedding especially when when michael shows up yes wedding. dwight's wedding i think was a i wish they had ended the show there and not done one more episode because i think that was really disappointing um i i'm getting hang on Mac, because my, i'm getting a lot of complaints i was going to get to them but we have comments <laughs> on facebook that people are getting mad i am not acknowledging um First of all, people are crapping on Arrested Development because it got canceled. Sorry people didn't get it, and Fox did a shitty job of promoting it. That's not my fault. Um, also, that the Britain show was awful, uh, but I think that's mostly just because Americans don't get British humor. Uh, I, thought the British, I thought the British show worked very well from like an outsider's point of view. I, I, th I, could, I, could, get, I could really understand why... American audiences wouldn't it wouldn't have clicked for them, but, but I think that a lot of the um, a lot of like the the silliness of Ricky Gervais's char character really um, I thought it, it was like mutually relatable for both audiences. With speaking of which, I, I just had a thought while um, we're on the topic of the British Office. Um, British sitcoms are so different. Oh, yeah. British British shows in general, not just sitcoms. British. British serialized television is so different mm -hmm. in that their their series are like much shorter. You have like little um, like a series. It's very rare that a series goes over three three seasons. And they're short seasons, three by the way. They're six to ten, episodes. and they're shorter seasons. The, the and office, then you like the office on to the next. Thing. The office averaged twenty four to twenty five episodes a season. Yeah, I mean that's that's twenty four to twenty five a season. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's, that's a lot, and that's tough. That you know, it's amazing. You look at Netflix or, or streaming services; they do uh, of comedies, they do ten, thirteen episode seasons. I think that works a lot better uh, because I think you kind of have to stretch to fill to fill that many in the, in the time in which you have to shoot it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, so. Michael Scott. Okay. We'll start with Michael Scott. Is how Steve Carell never won an Emmy for that is one of the great crimes of the 21st century. Oh, um, I, I have to agree there. I, I, I think he was a fan, perfect for the role. Absolutely fantastic. 
I think seasons one through like early fourth season, peak Michael Scott, I think he walked that very delicate line between awkward and too awkward very well, took it right up to that line, um, yeah. and made somehow a character that was a total buffoon, but was also incredibly likable, which is very hard to do. Because it would have been, it should have been easy to hate Michael Scott, to be honest, because he did a lot of really stupid shit. <laughs> but we all laugh. It's very, it's kind of like a, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It's kind of the, the same idea where you should hate these people. They're kind of terrible. And yet it's very endearing. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I definitely agree. It's, um, it, it, the, uh, the, the characters that they, that each person played, um, how different they are and how they interact with each other. Like that's, that's the show right there. Mm -hmm. Like that's your meat and potatoes of the show. It was very character driven show. And, and when you have a show like that, then you really just have to toss in like very simple, quirky scenarios for them to work with. And, and the show basically will make itself. Mm-hmm. And in those early seasons, it was very natural. They, they were real office situations. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, they, they, there was some big adventure every week. It was really stuff that might, you know, sexual harassment or, you know, I mean, it was things that might really happen in your office. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and you got to see these crazy characters be in real situations. That was kind of the fun of it. Yeah. The CPR training episode. Oh, God. You had the... Um... <laughs> The fire safety episode and the little episode where there was actually a fire. Yeah. Uh, casino night. Casino pretzel you had, like, very Christmas party. Very, yeah, things that you would see. For, um, and uh, the, the thing that I found to be the most unusual, however, about the, about, and, and, and something that, I think Parks and Rec did that almost to me ruined their show beyond repair. Almost all they almost did was, and, and the office did this, but it, it, it knew um, it kind of, it kind of, kind of died before it got to be too, too bad. As far as I know, then again, I didn't watch an episode post Michael Scott sure. besides the finale. Um, the characters became way too self self paradising. For example, like oh, we know that Dwight has a beet farm. He's going to keep bringing it up every like scene he's in. Uh, we know that um, we know that uh, Stanley doesn't like to do work and he likes to sleep. They're going to keep, he's going to basically kind of keep referencing that. And I think it kind of, it kind of got old really fast. And I, and I bring that up with Parks and Rec too, um, because I think Leslie Nope really got to be a little bit too much. Agreed. Like toward the end, she got to be too much of Leslie Nope. And uh, Ron Swanson kind of went the exact opposite direction. He kind of went like, Instead of being incredibly self-referential, he his character actually started to change and like de Ron Swanson, which I thought was was even worse because um, it was almost like the show was emasculating him and like stripping his character to the bone. Well, uh, as the show went on, some might call that character development. Uh, yeah, but see, I don't want, I, and and this this might just be my own personal opinion, but I don't want to see character development in a, in a comedy, but see, in a that, 30 minute comedy that shows about 30 minute comedies. I think that's the key. No, 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 um, no, no that no. we have to stress comedy. No, no, but, th but that's the Something point that's though. designed to make me laugh. No, there's a difference between a sitcom and a comedy on sitcoms. Things don't change. It is the same stuff every week. The bar in cheers never changed. The same people were there every week. And it took but 10 see, seasons. But see, that's what I think changes. all comedies should have. No. Uh, every comedy. I don't see why these characters have to evolve. And why Why do I have to learn a, a warm and fuzzy lesson every episode? I don't care about the warm and fuzzy. I care about just laughing at silly things that happen. But again, I... That's why I love, that's why I love the show. I know it's not... It doesn't fit in the genre. Or maybe it does. I mean, it's not an early 2000s, but 
I love the the current show on Netflix, The League. Are you familiar with The League? The League yeah, I think it's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is a similar. Yeah. Say okay. Even an even better example. Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, I just I love how the characters don't change and don't learn their their lesson and oh, evolve. But, and, but hang on though, uh, that... terrible things keep happening to them, and it's hysterical. I call absolute bullshit that the characters in It's Sunny have never haven't changed. They have changed. They've changed a lot not for over the, the better. years. Not for the better. No, not, no, no, not for the better. But they've changed. <laughs> I'm just saying, characters don't always change for the better. Sometimes they change for the worse, but they change. That's not a. I don't okay. think that's a bad thing. Right. I, I'm willing I to read a statement that they can change in a bad direction. And here, and here's the point I'm going to get at. And Jessica on Facebook commented that Michael Scott's the only character she ever felt secondhand embarrassment for. Here's my problem: Michael <laughs> Scott changed, and I'm going to posit, and I know this is not a popular opinion, that later oh. season Michael's later seasons Michael Scott was not a good character. I did not like how his character ended on the show. I think he was written too extreme. As you know, as you pointed out one note taken to uh, distilled down to a one note character. When you have Michael Scott following a GPS and driving into a lake, that is such an uncharacteristic. It's like taking him too far. Hang on, because I've got to pause here and talk for a minute about Scott's tots, okay? (laughs) To this day, I swear to God, I cannot watch that episode. It is, and and again, they should get like a Nobel Prize for this. It is the most cringe-inducing, awkward 30 minutes of television ever assembled, period, bar none. They mastered it. But my point is, no human being is so fucking stupid to do what Michael Scott did in that episode. And at some point he becomes a caricature of himself and it stops being funny people in an office and it starts being a more characterized version of that. And I did not like that. And I really thought it got to the point where I stopped liking him and thought he was an idiot instead. And, and it, and it, it stopped being endearing. So I, I don't think that was the moment for me. I don't think I honestly don't think Michael Scott. I I think that was well within the bounds of of who Michael Scott always was. Um, I think he he was always someone who meant well, but you know, and tried to do the what was right and what he what he believed was right. Um, but just got but things just got completely muddled somewhere somewhere in his brain. And I think that that's exactly to a T what happened in that situation. And I think. I think, it, as a matter of fact, I would I would go so far as to say that that was so Michael Scott that that was Michael Scott being his Michael Scottiest. It was the logical conclusion like the to his character. Example. That was the logical conclusion. Yes, him 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 screwing up. That might that might actually be you. You might consider that like the low point of Michael Scott, um, or the high point of Michael Scott, because from that on, then he met um, the uh, human resources lady. And Holly. Then they got married. Holly, yes. Which, which actually, Holly. I thought I love that character. I know, not, I know, not a lot of people are fans of her. Um. Well, she was, she was kind of like the female Michael Scott, but just not as intense. That's how I always read her. Shameless promotion for Sprite. No, someone on Facebook didn't believe I. They thought I was drinking a beer and didn't believe it was a Sprite. <laughs> Out of my uh, corporate brand, I got a koozie at work today, so. Wow, double sponsorship. Nice. How you much pay, money are we rake for they that? They don't pay us, so you can make they, they pay me a salary, but that's about it. Um anyway, I I just and I'll keep coming <laughs> I will uh, on on Facebook. That was the worst of all embarrassments, Scott Stotts. Yes, it was. It was horrific. Uh it was the Titanic of television. No, I I, I don't know. I think I have I have one I have one more that I, I think rivals that moment. Okay. But I want to see if you agree with the. All right. What would it be? Phyllis's wedding. Ooh. It was it was much earlier in the series. Phyllis's wedding had the moment where where Michael Scott gets up you know at what? the uh, rehearsal dinner, or it was the um yeah the rehearsal dinner. Yeah. And he gives a speech about Phyllis, and and that to me. But you know what? Here's the. Difference. I can't watch that to this day. But again. Here's, I'm so glad you brought that up because that. 
exactly illustrates my point I was trying to make about Scott's Tots, which was Phyllis's wedding, the reason he embarrassed himself was because he was lonely and he wanted to find a place in this group of people and he cared about Phyllis. It, it, was, it was building on his character. It was endearing. It was a logical extension of Michael Scott. Scott's Tots to me felt like what is the most insane situation we could put this person in regardless of his character and then that's what they did like i thought phyllis's example uh, diwali is another great example of an episode that grew michael scott's character i learned more about michael scott because of his actions in those episodes regardless of whether they were embarrassing or not scott's tots that was not the case it just made him look stupid like i don't I don't understand. It, to me, it's not the same, and I think Phil's I, it's a much better. I don't thing. see. I don't see how you can't. How you're not drawing this distinction, though. Like, to me, the, the Scott Scott's tots is Michael Scott. At, it's like him. It's it's something. It's a situation that that he would absolutely get himself. In. It's just. I think. I think what you're. What you're having trouble with there is that this is Michael Scott, the big picture. This is Michael Scott playing out over years and years of Michael Scottiness. Like he promised these kids in kindergarten that he was going to put them through college, imagining that his, his business would flourish one day and that he would do a good deed by making all of these students, these kids, college, college students and paying their tuition. And then when the time, the time came for them to graduate, and he didn't have the money, and he had to go and, and tell them in no, person. No. I think the only difference is that if that ever – and I, I'm sure things like that have happened in real life. But I don't think any anybody would go to them and say, look, I don't have the money to send you to college I, I, like I thought I would. And that's Michael Scott being like pure Michael Scott. Like any other businessman might make that promise, but they just wouldn't show up. They just would just forget about it. But Michael Scott felt bad about it inside, so he actually went out and bought them laptops, batteries of laptop, <laughs> oh laptops. I'm sweating and only thinking about some, it. And only for some of them, so they might have to share. Hey, Mr. Scott, <laughs> what you going to do? What you going to do? Make our dreams come true. Yes. Um, no, no, no. But, but look, here is the important difference, right? And this was what we talked about was so great about the early seasons of The Office. It was an actual sitcom based in a, in a semi-real office. You believed that at a sexual orientation seminar, your boss could get up and say that's what she said, right? For the most part, sure, occasionally it would get a little too far, but coworkers do play pranks on each other. And bosses do say embarrassing things, right? I could and I could believe someone would stand up at somebody's rehearsal dinner and make an embarrassing speech because they they were worried about being the center of attention. I totally buy that. I honestly do not believe that the school would just let some random guy promise tuition to a bunch of kids and not vet the guy and see if he actually had the money many years prior to that happening. That I, I'm I it was just so extreme. And this happened, again, I think Michael Scott following his GPS driving into a lake, I think, is a good example. Where it's like, I'm sorry, you have crossed a line from guy who just wants to be center of attention and who, who wants to be cool and wants to have friends to a man who's just an idiot because it's funny. And I don't think that's Michael Scott. And I think Scott's Tots, for, for my opinion, and I, hey, I get your point, that I agree. If you, if you define Michael Scott as a character whose job it is to be awkward, I agree. Scott's Tots wins the prize. For me, I see him as a very complex – what was that? There's that great quote uh, of his. It was almost my, my senior quote in the yearbook back in high school, but it was um, – I don't – how did it go? I don't, I, don't, I don't want to be liked. I don't, I don't want, need to be yeah. liked. I have to be liked or, or however, however uh, he phrased it. I, I thought you were going with the I um, – do I want to be – do I want to be feared? Yes. Do I want to be loved? Yes. I want people to be afraid of how, how much they, they love. love me. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but that's but that's what I love about Michael Scott. He's a real person. You really feel for this guy, not because he's an idiot, but because he has feelings. And he does these things for a reason. Scott Stotts did not give me a good reason why he did that. I don't think he would... Why does he... 
okay, I, I, we can go on for an hour about Scott's Tots because I feel that's very controversial in my mind. But I did not like later seasons Michael Scott because I do feel like they distilled him down to a stupid person, not the complex character I think we had come to know. But we can disagree on that point. Yeah, that this this is up for debate. This is up for debate. That's the idea. Now, so we'll leave it up to our folks at home. Uh, the, you can message the, us on Facebook. And they certainly can, and they have been. Facebook is blowing up, uh, mostly with Whoa. my sister. Um, okay. But you know, hey, we'll 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 take it. She's a dedicated fan. Apparently, she watches most weeks. She made a point to tell me. Um, and as soon thanks, as, Jessica. There you go. As soon as um, Facebook loads, I can continue to read comments. Uh, oh, she says her senior quote was from Grey's Anatomy, so I'm sure yours was much better. <laughs> uh, yes, Grey's Anatomy. Gosh. That's, That's still a on sad TV. Show. It's still on TV. It's so sad. I, I never want to watch Grey's Anatomy. I, I don't understand why. Well, the problem is, it's I, like it really like tugs at your heartstrings. Almost, I don't know. I feel like almost, life is tough enough. Well, it's take a nice drama. break with the comedy. We'll watch the league. The league is great. Well, actually, we could talk about the league. By the way, I think it's always Sunny Philadelphia is a better show. Yes, I think totally. the league relies too much on um, poop jokes and a very, body very humor. Different. Shows. I think it's I think it's more of a juvenile humor. That yeah, I'm just, totally not. I'm just personally not as big of a fan of. Um, no question, it, it absolutely that rely it, it, the entire show hinges on, on on that kind of humor, potty humor. And what I like about those two shows is it's essentially the same kind of formula, which is let's get these characters at the beginning of the episode each doing something crazy, and then by the end of the episode, their crazy combines into something really crazy. That's really every episode yeah. of both those shows. I love that format. And those two shows do – I just think It's Always Sunny does it better. I think it takes an incredibly talent, talented writing staff to pull that off because you have so many different storylines and you have to make them converge and you have to make it funny. And I think that's that's a talent that that is so rare in the industry that when it pays off, I think it pays off dividends. Well, and you know, it's – it's uh, by the way, my sister would like to point out that she does not watch Grey's Anatomy anymore. So you know, just fair disclaimer. Um, you know, I just think that I, I give It's Always Sunny a lot of credit because it is now going on. I think eleven seasons. It's been on a long time. I still think it's relatively fresh, believe it or not, for a show that has five characters that have not changed in ten years. It amazes me how fresh that show feels. Yeah. Yeah, I know I know exactly what you mean. And it's it's not even like it's a show that has to change with the times or that it feels like it's pressured to talk about I mean they they do mention topical things occasionally, but it's it's never it's, it never feels like they have to. And that that is a gripe that I have with the office. I think there are some there are some moments of the office that will be forever frozen in time because of what was being referenced. And I think it was a little bit cheap. Um, and I think NBC had a lot to do with it as, as far as promotions go. And I, I really didn't like that, especially when they would sing certain songs or Jim and Pam's wedding is a great example. When they do that, that like copy of the, um, of the oh, actual wedding that happened viral on video, YouTube. Yeah. Viral video. The, um, the, the, the choreographed dance thing, yeah. Choreographed dance, yeah. I, I'm forgetting the name of the song that they they came out to. I think it was like a, a Drake song or something. Yeah. Um, but um, Joker for Halloween, or like everybody was the Joker for Halloween. Dwight was the Joker, and Creed was the Joker, and um, everybody came in dressed as the Joker because. The new Batman movie came out. Yep. So it was like, it was kind of like those now, like, like 20 years from now, like our kids will be watching that show and they'll be like, what, what, what was that about? And we'll like, someone will have to explain to them, well, it was funny when it came out, but it's, I guess it's just, it takes away from like the timelessness of it. Again, it's nothing that it didn't, it didn't catastrophically destroy the show, but I feel like it. It took away from it a little bit. Well, it certainly takes um, back, takes away now more so even than it did yeah, then. In retrospect, when it was fresh, it was fresh. But now it's like, oh yeah, okay, I, I guess I kind of remember that. And it, it just it makes the rewatch rewatchability of it like different, mm -hmm. different, not not less, but a little bit different. Because mm -hmm. you're watching 
and you and you you know you remember that, but it's not really as funny. Again, but that that I was trying to relate that back to the friend, like like you said, it's always sunny is a show that I think you can turn on at any time. Twenty years from now, it'll still be hysterical every moment of it. Like it doesn't really have that self referentialness. And you want to, um, and and again, this goes back to what you love is characters not changing, right? You can t- turn on an episode from season two or from season ten, not a lot of difference, not a lot, a little bit, but not a lot. Yeah. And um, well, I like the, the what 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 it's always sunny did also with the um the when they when they first made the show, their goal, um, I believe it was it was Charlie Kelly's, the actor who plays Charlie Kelly. Um, and the actor who plays, yeah, the actor who plays Dennis, I think were like the original two. And then they added Mac on later on and they, their goal was to make the modern three stooges. Mm -hmm. They wanted to be like how the three stooges would act in 20, 2010. When did the show come? No, before that 2008. No, earlier. It's like, no, it's like Oh five. Oh five. Oh yeah. Yeah. 2005. It was like like how characters would act in 2005. The Three Stooges would act in 2005, and and um, yeah, I don't know that that I thought that was a great a great format. The show only got better. It went off the rails really when Danny DeVito joined. Oh man, and, that was a missing piece. He's yeah. Although I will say that is a character that I sometimes felt they did take a little too far. Sometimes he went again so crazy it stopped being plausible. And it was like, you know, now you're yeah. veering into no sane human territory. Because, again, I I, um, I think that the characters in It's Always Sunny, again, are, are a little extreme. But, again, I believe those people could really exist. I, I believe that, that there are terrible people like that out in this world who think about themselves first and do whatever they want and, and are out to make a quick buck. And, and that's, what's partially great about it. Um, Danny DeVito's character to me sometimes pushes the, the envelope on that. Not always, but sometimes. Yeah. And the, the writing on that show just feels so natural. It's sharp. More, more so than, than like any other show I can think of. It just seems, it really does seem like they're just people in a bar having a conversation mm-hmm. more so than in any other show I've seen. Like, and it's very well. Um, I, I think it's a good particularly. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No. Go on. Oh, there was I, a bit I of just, an overlap. It was lag there, so that's on me. Oh. Um, I, I'm trying to manage it. So no, what I was going to say is, I, it's a combination. The writing is fantastic. I think the cinematography is very good on that show. I think that's a great example of a single camera doc, not documentary style, but single camera handheld show and how it can be shot. I think it does a good job because of the way they cut it really highlights, especially when you have multiple stories happening at the same time, the way they cut between them to eventually bring them together. Somehow, after all the season, I'm still surprised when that happens, even though I shouldn't be. So, um, the music is great. I, I just think it's got a lot of stuff going for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, and it, it really, again, it's a show that doesn't need current events and it doesn't really need it 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 somehow generates its own humor um and to a certain degree it's character driven um you know with with, um you, you know each character has their own personalities their own quirks but it's just i think that it's just the writing is just tremendous and 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 the the believability of of how the characters interact with each other is what's What's so great about that show? I, I think one of my favorite, if not my favorite episode of that show is a great example, which is um, the gang recycles the trash. And this was probably two or three seasons ago. And the whole plot of the episode was making fun of how every episode is the same. Is where, the they, same. where they take old ideas from past episodes and recycle them and yeah. do them correctly this time around. And it was so funny to see. They literally make fun of they're, they're like, deja vu, didn't we already do this? And, and it's just a show that can mock themselves in that way and, and still be funny. Shows that they understand the formula and can make it successful without having to resort to gimmicks or to, to, to crazy stunts or anything like that. Yeah. 
and and even even when they're even when they're at their um their most even when they're even when they're copying something going on in a in a uh, a pop culture setting like i i'm thinking of the episode from a recent season where um i think it was the, the health inspector mm-hmm. where the health inspector comes to has to come to the bar and they're um the entire thing the entire episode is shot on a one camera yep no um, sort of following charlie a la birdman yep um that had just come out and won best picture that year um but even that is an entire running gag that leads up to the payoff, which is Charlie damaging the stool far enough so that when D sits on it, it collapses and everybody laughs yep. at the end. Um, that was brilliant to me. I thought it was just like okay, like as I was watching it, I was I was I felt my I felt my my um, my radar going off, and I'm like, oh, this is just like what The Office has done uh, so many so many times, like making a self referential or something referencing pop culture to like get to get viewership or to get laughs and then just to like to see them parody that in the end was was awesome like and you know what was to great? see them throw that all the way and be like it was just for a for a gag basically that was a fantastic episode what i also loved by the way is that they reference through the whole episode a b story the whatever scam that uh, d and uh uh, Mac were running, which involved chickens and uh, oh. whatever. But what's great is in the show, you're like, okay, I totally believe they were doing it, even though we never fully kind of learn what the scam was they were doing. But the show has established these characters so yeah. much that you don't have to know what it is to laugh about it and to understand it. So, uh, yeah, that is that is a really excellent, uh, a really excellent show for sure. Um. Well, first, by the way, I want to thank everybody who's been watching live on Facebook because they've been fantastic. I want to remind everybody that you can comment and we're we're interacting with the fans as we talk about uh, half-hour comedies of the early 2000s, 2010s. Matt, um, any other shows that that you were a fan of that you'd like to critique and, and debate? Um, let's see. There, there are a lot. That is, yeah. that is for sure. I, I could get into Parks and Rec, but I know you didn't watch that as much. I watched, I think, I, I like to think that I watched the, I watched it in its prime years. Well, but here's the problem. Another one. Yeah. Well, and I'll just briefly say, the last season of Parks and Rec was one of their best, and they totally redeemed all of the problems that pre- were in the preceding two seasons. So, yeah. I see. I kind of want to skip those two seasons and just go right in the last season, but I know I, I probably won't appreciate well, it as much. No, but what's great is you will because they do a big time jump. Okay. Between seasons, like it's like three years or something, where they jump and all the characters are in, doing different stuff. So you can probably tune in and be just fine. Okay. So I would genuinely recommend doing that because they had a lot of really excellent um, moments in that season. Um, what were you going to mention? Um, I don't know. Um, did you like? Um, it was. It was going back to. It's always sunny again. Um, there was. Oh, we were talking about how how that one episode was unique about it uh, being self-referential. Um. There was one ep- before. I mean, we can move on to, the, to another show. There was one episode of "It's Always Sunny" where they and, and this is another example of just the, the 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 brilliance of the writers that is on a, a completely other planet um, from other shows. There was one episode of "It's Always Sunny" where they the gang goes to a bar down the street, and the bar is. It's like cleaner and a lot more popular yep. and a lot more like friendly than theirs. And there's getting like no customers and they're wondering, wondering why this and then this bar like won an award or won a series of awards. And, and then um, the whole episode, they're wondering what they can do to be more like that bar, what they can do to shape up 
and and get their act together and be like that far. And then in the end, they just decide, no, our sucks. Our bar, screw them. And then they like kind of go back to doing things the way they, they've always been doing them. And that was a huge, huge self-referential moment in that they were they were looking at the um, the recent Emmys mm-hmm. and they were not nominated for an Emmy. And that was kind of like their screw you to the industry. And like we're, we're so we're happy with what we do. And that's all that we really care about. Well, that's and that's what was it was so funny, too, because, you know, the bartenders at the competing bar. Right. The whole joke was that they, they were all really good looking and there was the will they won't they romance. Will they and, won't. You know, yeah. and, it, and it was an exact parody of every cheesy sitcom you've ever seen with the bartenders, you know, having a singles life in the city. Yeah. And it's um, and they're like, no, we're gross and we're dirty and we don't we think we're great. And, you know, <laughs> screw this. Trust we're out of here. Counts. Yeah. So I that's a that's a really great point. So I <laughs> they, they deserve a lot of credit for that. And to be honest, I think we've been really fortunate over the last maybe five years of the rise of, of cable uh, comedies, comedy on cable, because uh, shows like It's Always Sunny, but then you see shows like, uh, and I don't know how many of these you've watched, but shows like Louie, uh, which is fantastic, and Marin, which is fantastic. We've seen Netflix with shows like uh, BoJack Horseman, which is fantastic. Um, of course, we've also seen, and I know you don't like blurring the lines between comedy and drama. Louie is a good example of that. Um um, I, I don't. I wouldn't say that I don't like blurring lines of comedy and drama. And I think BoJack Horseman is a show that does it very, very well. Mm-hmm. I think that it does it extremely well. Mm-hmm. It really captures so many aspects. Not that I would know by any means, but I think it it captures so many aspects of living in Hollywood and being a famous movie star and all of the horrible side effects of that. Um, while at the same time you're living this life of luxury and glamour on the outside, it really captures that tormented, the tormented soul um, side of, of that and, 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 and makes it so approachable by making it through cartoon animals. Um, yeah. And that, that's what's amazing about it, I think, is that, and I'm glad we're talking about this because that show is so good, but, you know, I think that, it's amazing they've managed to create these layers where on its very surface, you're right, it is about being sort of vapid and self-absorbed in Hollywood, and then you go uh, a layer lower, and then it's being a tortured artist. And you go a layer, lo- uh, a layer lower, I cannot think of a better televised example of what living with mental illness is like than this show, when you really get down to the nuts and bolts of it. It's a very real show in that respect. I mean, you really see what what this guy goes through and yes, they're, they're talking animals and it's animated. And to me, I don't, if that show were live action, I don't think it would have nearly the impact it does because it's animated because a, you don't expect it. Um, and B, because you can do more with animation than you can, you know, in terms of flashbacks and flash forwards and, you know, some of the crazy psychedelic stuff they've done and the action stuff. So I just think that, it's a very unique program that I cannot imagine for the life of me ever airing on television. No, no, I, I think Netflix is really the perfect place for it. I can't, I mean, it's, uh, it's really found its niche there. Um, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Any of your primetime, uh, major networks on television. Um, but yeah, that's I think that's a great example of blurring the line between co- and it's and and what I really like about the show is that it it knows when to be comedic, it knows when to be funny, and it knows when to to um, approach topics with 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 good intention and with uh, reverence, I guess. Um, and like you said, it's a, it's an introspection into a lot of areas of psychology of 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 just life with um with uh with mental illness and with that kind of uh of a, of lifestyle clashing with who 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 you are as a person and it really does a great I can't stress enough it, it it's t- it has timing down to a T mm-hmm. like well I think and I I'm assuming so. you've watched the latest season 
Yes. You know, I I think the uh, underwater episode was a, a was an amazing a amazing piece of television. But B, I think it was a great example of what makes that show great, which is it's not about the dialogue necessarily. It's not about the animation necessarily. It's about it's about a feeling and an emotion you get from watching it that come from all those pieces put together. It's very hard I think to make a show that gets you to really feel for characters these days. I feel like most shows try to be loud and in your face and and force it down your throat and it and even the really great shows, you know, you might get anxious or tense or excited, but you don't get emotional and I feel like I feel like BoJack is an amazing program that has the ability to do that um for a talking horse, which is kind of which is kind of special and I think that we're we're finally getting into an era where I think the lines between comedy and drama are being blurred to some degree because we have dramas that can be really funny at times, more so than they've ever been, and I think the reverse is true. Comedies that can really understand dramatic moments um, like we haven't seen before. And I think th- this multi-platform, diverse environment that we have has really allowed that to flourish and happen. Uh, in a way that I think if we just had, you know, the three big networks like we did 50 years ago um, would never happen because there wouldn't be any diversity in the programming. Yeah. I mean, when when comedy and drama is blurred and like to me, that's OK. That's fine. Uh, it doesn't have to be clearly delineated as a comedy and as a drama. I think what I what I disliked when I was mentioning before that I disliked about comedies like the off like partially the office and parks and rec was guilty of this a lot was the the tying up of everything in a neat bow and and at the same time getting a little bit on the preachy side that's the part that's what i what i yeah. i had a problem with watching those shows i never there was never a moment during bojack horseman where i thought this show was being preachy yep i thought that it was it was hitting its points and it was hitting them very well. And I never thought that it was that it was coming across as like holier than thou, which I think The Office was guilty of at times. And I think that Parks and Rec was guilty of even more at, I, at more frequent times. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I call it full house syndrome. I think full house yeah. did that better than anyone else. The, the you know, Michelle, every every episode would end the same. You get on Danny's knee, you know, Michelle. Yep. It's really important that we learn to share with each other because when you hog all your toys, you won't make any friends. And every goddamn episode ended that way. And I agree. <laughs> and it was really annoying. So I am. I leave it to be. But again, this is where show the difference between a serialized show and an episodic show. Characters can't learn lessons if the story doesn't continue week to week because there's no room for growth. Full House, the characters never grew any because they weren't supposed to. It was the same stuff every week. A show like BoJack Horseman. The whole point is the first episode and the last episode of each season are supposed to be completely different. The characters change over time. It's sequential. And I love the fact that comedies are moving in that direction. Because shows like The Big Bang Theory, it's just the same jokes every week. And if you like those jokes, good for you. You're going to enjoy the show. And I'm happy for you. Whoop-dee. But... That's not for me. I don't want to see that. I want to see real people in real situations. And sometimes I'm going to laugh and sometimes I'm not. And that's okay. I want to just be entertained. And I'm glad that, you know, the, the, the loss of the studio audience, for example, the laugh track in many of these shows, I think is a good thing because, you know, laugh traps were originally put in shows because they were afraid audiences wouldn't know when to laugh. Because when you go to a movie theater, they believed you knew when to laugh because everyone else in the room was laughing. If you were sitting at home alone, how would you know to laugh at the show? Uh, well, I think people deserve more credit than that. And, yeah. uh, you know, we know when to laugh and maybe even more importantly, when not to. And so I'm glad that that they're able to just tell stories, not make jokes. And that that maybe is the point. You know, I, I will I will sort of wrap, we're running out of time. So I'll wrap up BoJack on this. Uh, I had a, I was texting with a friend um, about BoJack Horseman, and they were saying, you know, talking about the depression angle on it and all these things. And they said, uh, you know, I love the show, but you know what, Sean? I don't think BoJack is going to live through the end of the show. And that really bums me out. And I said, you know what? Maybe that's how the show is supposed to end. 
You know, yeah. we have a character who we don't know what redemption truly means for this character. And I love that. You don't know where this is going. It's kind of fantastic. I turn on the Big Bang Theory and reruns at any time, and I know exactly where those characters are. I know exactly yeah. what they're going to be doing. They're going to be making terrible jokes in their living room with the same people every goddamn week. Yeah. I don't want that. No, I, I, I agree. I think it's I, I want to live with the suspense. And I want to uh, I mean, I, 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 I think I think he, it, he's definitely on a downward spiral. It seems like it's just, is he going to go, is he going to go up or is he going to go all the way down, all the way up or all the way down? You don't know. But, but it comes um, down what the definition of a happy ending isn't the same for him as it is for other characters on other shows. That's the difference, right? He can yeah. have a happy ending, but it may not be a really happy ending. No. And I think that's, that's kind of the note that every season ends on, isn't it? Right. It's a, uh, it, it's very much a life is a Pyrrhic victory for him. Life is like, um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I should absolutely be happy. Look at all this money I have and um, I could get with any any girl I want. And basically, he has, it seems like he has everything figured out. And at least from a from a mortal's point of view, mortal being like non Hollywood folk, um, it seems like he has everything planned out. Like there's a clear. Uh, he's he's checked all the boxes in life, but I think in his, for his uh, he hasn't really checked the big one, which is the self fulfillment box. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's uh, really 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 fulfilled things that he wanted to um, achieve in life. He doesn't know true love. He doesn't. Um, he's not really happy, and he feels like there's some there's always constantly something missing. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where that show goes. I mean, every show is different. You wouldn't be able to have those the same boxes for the It's Always Sunny gang. Right, right. Well, and that's that, you know, I love that quote from the end of the second season where it's, you know, how do, how do you do this? And, and, you know, it's it gets a little easier every day. The hard part is you've got to do it every day. You know, it's, it it's a really day. it's a deep show. And, uh, and I dig that. Yeah. And I dig that, and I can't wait for more. So, totally. um, totally. very good, Matt. We're we're out of time. We breezed through that. That All was right. fun. That was fun. That I was loved, a lot of fun. We finally got to have a good debate. Most of the time, we agree on stuff. I think this time, we I actually, know. we got going. I didn't realize the office was so controversial, but uh, yeah, maybe it is it, just with me. I don't know, but uh, it's and it's up to the folks at home to decide what what they think. Who won that debate? Who? What are you? What side of the debate are you on? Is if the we, office a if we were more popular, if we were more popular, I would say, if you think Matt won the debate, use hashtag Team Matt. If you think Sean won the debate, use the hashtag Team Sean. <laughs> Results next time. Um, yes, well, of course, we got to thank everybody who watched live on Facebook and those who commented during the show um, and interacted with us. As I mentioned earlier, we do this Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 Central on Facebook.com slash TV. So make sure you go like the page. And the reason you do that is because when you like it, it automatically shows up in your feed when we go live. And I think sometimes, and I haven't figured out why it does or does not, it will actually send you an alert on your phone. Your phone will buzz and say, don't, uh, Up for Debate is now live. Now, it does it for some people and not others, and I don't know why, but it does. So that's a good reason to like our page. Um, yeah, totally. Quickly, I'll just wrap up by saying... Um, UpforDebate.tv is our website. All the episodes are there. And that uh, click the subscribe button. It's got all the links to all the places you can find us. Uh, most places that have I, uh, podcasts like iTunes, of course, in most major podcast apps, and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash UpforDebate. Up, just UpforDebate. And, of course, as I mentioned, on Facebook and on Twitter at UpforDebateTV. We'll be back next time, Matt. Anything else you'd like to say before we, uh, before we, we send this one to pasture? Um... Just that I, I hope we get a lot more. I don't know what what would you how would you combine comedy and drama? Have they come up with a word for that yet? Drama, comedy, drama. No drama. Drama, drama, dramedy. Yeah, yeah, that's yes. actually a thing. See, I was I was just gonna wrap up by saying, "Hey, Mister um, Matt, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? Make our dreams come true? What you gonna do? Dreams come true. Insert laugh track here. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Oh God! I got my go favorite off. wasn't the laugh track. I like I like the oh, oh. track. Or or when characters would kiss. Because we have to be told when there's a sentimental. 
that was yeah, always that great. one too. Or or or, or, or the or applause the, like, with the wacky neighbor. Or or the like uh, the the sort of controversial bat. Oh, like when they do something bad. Oh, ooh. Fresh yeah. Prince of Bel Air had an awesome studio audience, and especially when they did like those the episodes where with the special lesson, and they would yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> and they would all applaud when they hugged and learned the lesson at the end that drugs are bad. Yeah. Mm, good times. Good times. Well, this special episode oh, of, Prince, of a whole, whole other story. Oh my God, we could do. Man, we. Oh God, not enough hours could in have the a day, man. Like that. We we certainly could. That was, that was a fun one. All right. Well, I'm going to cut it here. Yeah. So, thanks everybody for joining. On behalf of Matt, I'm Sean. We'll see. All you right. Next time Signing off for even more exciting debate here on Up for Debate. <laughs>